Hello, welcome to Quantum Nurse Out of the Rabbit Hole from Stress to Bliss. This is Grace Asagra, your host. I welcome everyone, our listeners, our audience, but especially I welcome Dr. Amy Rochelle. She's now currently living in Italy, and so she's taking her time and be with me here and be with us even with, in spite of the difference of time and i like to welcome you again and thanks for your time i know you're you're a busy professional so i'll just introduce you a little bit and feel free if i miss anything feel free to inform the audience okay yes thank you for having me so first um you wouldn't do you prefer for me to call you Dr. Rochelle or Amy or? You can just call me Amy. Amy. Okay. <laughs> I still remember that. So Amy is a naturopath specializing in food as medicine with veganism, raw foods, and fasting as her main expertise. The basis of her work is always grounded in emotional healing and coming home to a joyful natural state. She started out bringing people together and teaching out of her own need to connect with others who believe in birthing a better world while supporting one another in being our greatest self in times of massive change. In 1980s, that's when she received formal education from the University of Georgia, then later graduated as a naturopathic doctor from Trinity School of Natural Health in 2012. Growing up close to nature, she will wake up most mornings to her mother doing yoga. They grew vegetables, foraged for food in the forest, picked poke salad from the from the fields and watercress from the creeks while collecting spring water from the mountainside. She's a pioneer woman and her mother was her first teacher. Then a culmination of health issues in her twenties eventually led her to seek healing and which it turned out to be through veganism raw food, fasting, and emotional work. So, Amy, how did you transition? Because I've read some of your stories that you were a meat eater when you were a child. How did you transition from a meat eater to what you're doing now? Well, Grace, I was uh, 23 traveling in Central America. I was in Guatemala and if you wanted a chicken, you had to go to the chicken yard and they would wring the chicken's neck in front of you and then began to pick the feathers off. And that, that just really took me back. And if you wanted beef, then you would go into the market where there was an entire carcass of a cow hanging on hooks from the ceiling with the hooves still on. And all they had done is strip the skin off and there was flies swarming all over, it was all blue. And this just, even for me, a hardcore confirmed meat eater, a defiant rebellious meat eater actually because my mother was all into vegetarianism and, and we just rejected it, all of that as kids do. But even for me, witnessing this with the animals was just, I just thought that was too disgusting. I couldn't eat it. So I didn't eat meat for six months just because it wasn't available really. And at the same time, I had some neighbors who were beautiful vegetarian chefs and they would make us all this amazing food and talk with us about um, healing and what's possible when someone changes their mindset and eats differently. And this was all revolutionary for me. This was, this was huge information I'd never been exposed to before. So after practicing this and living that way for about six months, I came back into the States and tried to eat meat again. And my body just rejected it. It just wouldn't have it. It started making me sick. 
And so I was pretty addicted to it. Um, it took me about two years to really get it through my head that my body does not want this. And when I really came to terms with that, I just finally let it go. I got tired of all the belly aches and the diarrhea and all of that. And then I met someone soon after who was a vegan and said, wow, try not eating dairy. Now, by this time, I'd had my second ectopic pregnancy by the time I was 25. And through um, surgeries and lots of drugs, taking testosterone for a couple of weeks, it really wiped out my gut flora. Candida took over and I was running into walls and couldn't think straight and had all kinds of health issues now that I had never had before from taking these antibiotics. So I took the friend's advice and went vegan and saw a naturopath who gave me the same advice, said you need to stop eating dairy now. And it took a few years, but my system completely healed. And then I got into raw food. And if I had known in the earlier years what I later learned with raw food and fasting, I would have healed even faster, actually. So what, what's that? you want to expand on the raw food and being vegan? Sure, sure. So, um, you know, essentially taking dairy out of my diet and still eating cooked food um, was tremendously healing. Just not eating animal foods anymore and sugar and common allergens that would make my belly bloat out like crazy and make my skin go mad and my head go foggy. I just realized when I eliminated those foods, then my symptoms would go away. And being addicted to all these things, I try it again, my symptoms would come back. So, you know, it took me a while to learn it and learn my body, but I let that go. I, I really, really wanted to be well. I think that's the primary thing for any of us. I, I had had enough at this point of, you know, especially as a woman, you know, intensive vaginal issues where you, I, you, know, you can't sit down, pain, a lot of pain. So when I got into the raw food, the, the healing process just accelerated and fasting. And I later learned that's because uh, the living enzymes, the nutritional values more intact with raw food, learning how to really clean out my colon, clean my blood. It's just exponential, expediated healing that took the same process that happened with veganism, but quickened it very quickly. And at the same time, all of this was happening in, in a transitional way that gave me time to adapt mentally, to integrate it emotionally, and to learn how to face everything I had stuffed and had repressed and suppressed. It, the whole process of dietary change still to this day, you know, you know, almost 20 something years later, teaches me to continuously take care of myself and to, to face myself on a deep emotional level. How important then it is to incorporate raw food? Because I know that sometimes um, some people are just struggling to do that. Uh, yes. Yes, that's understandable. And there's a reason why people have difficulty breaking down raw food. And that usually has to do with only eating cooked food, our body will start, will, will stop to produce the gastric juices needed to break down the raw food. And so we need to rebuild our gastric juices, our pepsin. We need to uh, rebuild our hydrochloric acid so that we can do that. You know, it's, we've trained our system one way and slowly we can retrain it naturally to incorporate more living food. And juice, juice is a great way to do that, juicing. Is it between, is it juicing better than the smoothies? Because there's always a question when people, you yeah. know, like, oh, That's I can't tolerate this, I can't tolerate that, so. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, in my opinion, they're, they're for two different purposes. Um, if, if, if we don't have a whole lot of time, if we're not going to invest the time and the energy it takes to juice because it is more labor intensive, then a smoothie's great. But the one thing we need to really consider with a smoothie is many people will uh, poorly food combine. Let's say they'll mix the hemp seeds with banana and um, 
you know, perhaps some pasteurized orange juice. Now this is a concoction that could just blow up our belly and many people will put more than five ingredients in. You know, typically our digestion doesn't work well with more than about five ingredients at once. And if they're not properly food combined, which means they're synergistic, those foods digest at the same speeds, then we may have gas after that smoothie. So it needs to be combined properly to really be nutritious rather than being difficult to process, to break down. So with juice, we're really straining out the fiber. So you could still mix together uh, the fruit pulp with a vegetable pulp, but because you strain the pulp out, you are properly food combining. So it makes it a lot easier to digest. And depending on your recipe, if you put some apple in it, then you would have malic acid that will begin to really clean your bowels out. So I personally am a big fan of juice and recommend that very much. Well, that's perfect because a lot of people um, will say, oh, that, that smoothie didn't suit, doesn't suit me well, you yeah. know, and yeah. then they started complaining that they can't do it, you know. Yeah. Um, so food combination is something that one who's interested in eating more of raw food must really know or must study, correct? Well, I would recommend it. You know, if, if, if someone listening to this is just getting into raw food, when we begin to talk about food combining in the beginning, sometimes for some people we have resistance, okay? Because like, oh gosh, I'm already starting to do so many things in this health world and you want me to impose kind of a restriction. This was my own story for about five years when I first um, got into raw food. But I can tell you that the difference that it makes in your digestion is not a restriction. It's just a big, huge helper. So for instance, let's say um, a typical kind of what would be considered a healthy breakfast, let's say granola with fruit or what we all grew up on, trail mix, dried fruit and nuts and seeds. While very tasty, it's really difficult on our digestion for, for most of us. And you'll notice because after you eat that, just pay attention to your belly. Does it start to gurgle? Do you start to have gas? Do you start to burp? The problem with these improper food combinations is gas. And if you wanna get right down to what many of our health issues are about, gas. So someone could be eating, you know, what they think is a very healthy diet, but if they're not properly food combining, then the body still isn't able to break that food down, assimilate it, absorb it, and then eliminate it. And we need to be able to do that whole stage for our intake of food to truly be healthy. Because if your body can't use it, and if it can't get rid of it, it doesn't matter how healthy it was coming in, it's not going to be healthy coming out because it's stuck, still constipated. So it's more than what we eat. It's like basically understanding which food can be combined and the less, the better. Is that like a good overall? Well, advice? definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, here's a really, with proper food combining, less is always advised, you know, and being aware why we're eating. Am I eating for nutritional purposes? or because I'm sad, or I'm lonely, or I need pleasure, which could all be fine reasons, but if we're not aware of those reasons and we're eating emotionally, then we may still have digestive problems. Yeah, so you know, a simple rule of thumb with proper food combining, just on a technical level, is just don't mix fruit with anything else. Always eat fruit alone. Eat your fruit first, and then eat your, you know, whatever it is, your, your main dish or whatever it is. But if you just take the fruit out of that uh, trail mix, just eat the nuts or just eat the raisins first and then wait 20 minutes and then have the nuts. Once you get a little bit used to it, then you, you gauge it in your belly, you monitor your belly and you see the gas going down. You see you're not expelling all this burping and farting stuff so much and you're feeling better it becomes really worth it 
and for me personally, if I, re, if I go into a breakfast bar or I get something that has that fruit in it, I'm going to be picking it all out. I know I'll enjoy the flavor, but I know later I'm going to pay for it. Wow. Sometimes really something that tastes good, that doesn't necessarily mean it's good for our body. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because remember, if it produces gas, you're not going to be able to get rid of it properly because you're, the, the old waste is sitting behind a big wall of gas. And getting that out is, uh, as, a, as someone who's a fasting expert and putting people through intensive fasts, what we always see with people is that the very first thing everybody has to deal with is getting rid of the first layer, which is gas. Then behind that layer of gas, the next thing that will come is a big layer of mucus. And then finally behind that, was the old dehydrated, compacted, stored, very old poo. And it'll take somebody, depending on where they're at with their diet, to pass through those stages of expelling those different layers of waste. Now, what happens when um, someone, would, uh, someone is not able to do the whole, you know, lifestyle of being a raw food what's your best advice in terms of like percentage that they one can adapt mm -hmm. well first off just to get started i would say be sure to make it an adventure and something you really enjoy and that it's not uh you're not doing it because i have to or because this is the most healthy thing to do but do it because you're enlivened and it's and it's a great joy and if you come into it with that type of attitude then it's going to be a lot easier. So, so then one of the very first things you could do is, is start learning. Just start studying different things. And you'll probably find that there's all loads of contradictory information out there. But find somebody that you resonate with and study their stuff. Learn. And then, oh, what is the one thing that is your driving need? Why are we doing this? Now, okay, so let's say... I want to lose weight. Okay, then if I'm really serious about that, then I commit to, I really want to do this. This is my deep need. This is my deep desire. This is why I'm doing this. And then we, um, let's say, choose to properly food combine because through properly food combining, you're gonna lose weight. Okay, that's one example. Or just to keep it very, very simple, what's something I enjoy every day? I love a salad every day. Okay, be sure you have one salad every day. Or have one juice every day. Or have one piece of fruit every day. The more simple that we can keep it, then the more endearing, the more attractive it'll probably become because you're having small little successes every single day that you can feel good about. So just like anything else, it's important to really know why. Why, you know, just like when we do some work or when we like a certain job or we like a certain person, when we can really, when we know why, 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 then it is really, we commit to something. And you said, yes. start with a small one and you can move on. Now, yeah. I, sometimes some people uh, get confused on when to eat the salad. Do, is it beneficial that they eat it before with the cooked food or after? Well, that's a great question. You know, uh, here in Italy, culturally, they always eat the salad afterwards. That's just a part of the culture here. But I recommend that you eat it first because, or along with your food because, uh, remember, when we cook our food, we destroy the enzymes. And the enzymes are what are uh, helping the food to break down. So when we eat our raw food first or alongside with our cooked food, then we're full of enzymes that are already alive in your stomach that are uh, churning with your gastric juices that will help that cooked food to break down a lot better than if you eat the salad afterwards. I tend to combine it. because. Yeah. I really enjoy it. I don't put any more invent salad. I mean, I don't put any dressing because I just kind of enjoy it with the other seasoned food, you know, already. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's, 
and uh, eating raw or or yeah raw veganism it's it's come a long way i think because oh, i yeah. still <laughs> i still remember when you can even barely get any juice or smoothie in uh, a lot in in stores or restaurants in new york and you really just have to go to a health food store and yeah. a health food store were really tiny during that time yeah yeah and now it's available so as you were as you were saying that you know if we start small and because it's available there seem to be no excuse not to incorporate any raw food in our day-to-day -day diet well you know i think it's it's a choice it's it's a choice and if that choice um, you know, it's said that we make all of our choices based from an emotional place. So if we can get in touch with the emotion of, I choose to feel good. I love feeling great. I love being alert. I like being awake to life and all of its shades and colors, even the pain and the hardship of it. I choose to feel, I choose to be here, to really be here. Then we know just logically that we need to be healthy. And by incorporating the simplicity of fresh fruit and vegetables into our diet, we are already putting ourselves way ahead of the game. So even if we only did 30% or 50%, work our way up to 80% and just keep noticing, keep checking in with your belly how this feels. And if you notice yourself feeling better, then try a whole day of just salad or, or whatever raw food dishes. Um, you know, I have a new resource site, Grace, that I haven't announced yet on our list, but it's uh, govegan.community. And we have over 150 recipes there now. Half of them are raw. And they're simple. You know, they're easy to fix. So it's really a mindset. And it's choosing, I want this, and I'm going to do it. Do you encourage fermentation in the raw food preparation? Well, you know, Grace, in the way that I teach, I don't do fermented foods, okay? And that is because, you know, fermented foods are, are touted in the health world as a cure-all for everything. And they probably are for many people some of the time, but not all the people, all the time. So I find it misleading because, you know, if you've suffered from candida, if you've had intensive uh, issues where your gut flora got wiped out, for me personally, even though I had that experience and rebuilt my gut flora, there are certain fermented foods that someone else would be medicine for them, but for me, it's poison. Okay, so let's say kombucha, um, uh, coconut kefir, these sort of things will blow my belly up and make my skin break out like mad. Oh, raw apple cider vinegar is the absolute worst. A nutritional yeast will make my skin, my belly go crazy. Okay, and this is some, I'm someone who's recovered uh, my gut health for, you know, over half my life for 25 years or something like that. And they still bother me. Yet, I could have some kimchi. I could have some types of sauerkraut. Now, here's the thing we need to know about fermented foods is unless you know the company that has made it. Fermented foods are very particular when they're made. They don't like to be moved around. And they like to be in a dark place, you know, in, in its little nest, let's say, its little hibernation spot while it is brewing, let's say. And if they were taken too soon or they weren't made with a certain type of care, what could be a probiotic could turn into um, rot, basically. And you can sometimes taste that, but sometimes you don't. So what I always recommend to people is to try, especially if you've had gut health issues, is to try a little bit yourself and test it out. Because some of those fermented foods, what's technically happening is they're producing histamine and it's giving you a histamine response. That's what's happening in your gut. And we experience that histamine response as an allergy. And Again, that's why it's not good for everyone. So just test it out on your body first and try different ones. But don't be um, confused or feel like there's something wrong with you if they don't agree with you because they don't for everybody. So in anything that anyone is interested, 
you know, they can, they may be able to read uh, or Google information and it sounds very good. It's, it always, uh, it is always helpful to try it first and a little bit first. And if you have guidance, kind of like ask for guidance, you know, from you know, like a naturopath like you or whoever that they can, they trust and, yeah. and a little bit and experiment on that. And, and back to, you know, what you're saying, always listen to our body, right? Because our body yeah. doesn't lie to us. <laughs> you know, that's the bottom line right there, Grace, is the body does not lie. And not all bodies are created the same. That's why it's not fair to compare ourselves to anybody else's ecosystem. In our gut is an ecosystem. And our gut is particular and unique to our culture, where we've come from, the water we drink, the food that we eat, our life experience, our stress levels, how we process emotions. So one person might do really well with one thing, but another person don't. And to be secure with that and say, this is just what my body says and I'm listening to it, is to claim one's health instead of continuously trying certain things that your body's actually rejecting. So what's, what's a day like for Amy in your, in your day-to-day routine for your raw food? Well, um, I juice in the morning. I like to juice about six liters every morning. And um, I, my, my husband, in the beginning, my husband eats, he doesn't eat the same as me. He, he has his own way, the more traditional way of eating. But because I don't push it onto him, I only make it available to him if he wants it. What's happened over time is that at first he would, he would only try a little shot glass of green juice. But over some months and then, you know, years have gone by, he drinks as much juice every morning as I do and he relies on it. And so he has synced up uh, with a lot of what I do just because he sees how much better he feels. So, so we, we tend to drink juice all morning and by nature we just do intermittent fasting and we don't really eat until we're hungry until about probably three o'clock, sometimes two o'clock. We're working on a project now where lunches uh in a we have started a community in italy actually and we have many volunteers here working on our property so there's actually food available now but usually on our own we wouldn't even eat until uh three or four o'clock but now sometimes we'll eat when we're actually not hungry which is hampering my health <laughs> and i have to remind myself to have a little bit of discipline and don't eat any just because it's there you know, but left to my own device without any kind of food influence around. I like to intermittent fast, do intermittent fasting until about three, four o'clock and drink water. So that's three liters of green juice plus uh, water, maybe some herbal tea. So I'm good and hydrated. And by this time, uh, the goal for me is to have pooed at least three times. And I always say, you know, if you don't, if you don't poo three times a day, you're constipated. So in the mornings, empty out from the day before. And then, you know, probably around five, I like to have a, um, a salad. I'm not 100% raw anymore. After nine years, I do incorporate some cooked food into my diet, now always vegan, um, staying off of any sort of, you know, white pasta. It's all whole grain food. Um, and not going too much on the grains either. So then for dinner, I would have, let's say, a nice big green leafy salad with lots of different types of greens in it. And maybe there would be a, a vegetable curry that isn't overcooked with brown rice or a, um, a noodle, an Asian noodle, rice noodle pasta or, you know, maybe some millet with a, with some kind of vegetables, some steamed vegetables, maybe some tahini dressing or a miso dressing, that type of fermented food I would be okay with. And then, and then I don't like to eat at night past, you know, six or seven o'clock, which is a really, little bit different here in an Italian culture. You know, it tends to be a little bit later and there tends to be lots of wine involved at any table you sit at. So it's been quite an adjustment for me. And, you know, I've done my little compromises along the way to, to feel natural with it that still honor my body. And so it's been a big uh, learning curve. And I think when we change our lifestyle, we can also change how we eat and to be okay with ourselves that it may not be like I did when I was single in New York City, let's say. 
when I when I met you before, you were doing uh, tours or work in Indonesia in Bali. Mm -hmm. yeah. You still do that? Uh, I lived in Bali for seven years and, uh, you know, came back to New York and, and to Europe every year to work. And then eventually when I met Anthony, um, my husband now, um, he kept getting parasites in Bali. And so I had a very re successful retreat business, a raw food chef training, detox trainings that I did there for, it's been 10 years now for that. But we left a few years ago because he just could not be well in the tropics. And we came back to Europe where he's from. And we now have this retreat center where we will have a vegan and fasting school eventually. Oh, okay. Well, well talk, talk to us more about that school and what you offer. Okay, okay. Well, uh, Asha community. A-S-H-A, ashacommunity.com is our website. And um, basically in a nutshell, what we've done is we found a property that is very far away from cities. We um, bought a old retreat center and it had been abandoned for some time and it's on a town. The retreat center is about a kilometer, you know, a little under a mile from a village of 4,000 people. It was an old mining village. And we took this place because both Anthony, between us, we have quite a big uh, following online. Anthony teaches breath work, um, alchemy of breath. And we're looking for a place in January, this was before the COVID outbreak. We're looking for a place where we could um, live sustainably, you know, grow our own vegetables, have pl plentiful water, clean spring water source. Uh, clean air, clean water, clean soil, sustainability, where we could bring people to create a safe haven because we had a very deep sense that the way humanity is going, that we need to get out of the cities and we need to be very close to leading to nature. So we took this retreat center because we, our vision, what we want to do is to regenerate the town as well. So it was an old mining town and now it only has... Uh, 600 people left from a population of 4,000. It has housing for 4,000. And it's really just um, a lot of old sweet Italian people now. And just very few young people stay. They all, you know, that's a trend in Southern Europe and Europe in general is where the young people have left the countryside and gone to the cities. And now with COVID out outbreak, um, that's kind of changing. But in January, we bought this place and then boom, COVID happened. We got stuck in the UK during, during a tour actually and couldn't come back to Italy because the numbers were so high here. And then in January, or sorry, in uh, June, in early June, we could finally drive all the way back to Italy and we got to our center here and we have had a tremendous, tremendous response. We have 20 volunteers here now. We've been here for six weeks. We've pretty much refurbished a lot of the retreat center. We have so many people that want to come and live here and be here. But the vision of Asha, Asha means hope, by the way, in Sanskrit. And our vision is to uh, be a holistic health center, basically. Asha, for us, we didn't know that it means hope until later on. It really stands for Alchemy School of Healing Arts and performance as well. So our vision is to bring together people of all different types of healing from breath work to nutrition and food to meditation, astrology, yoga, movement, dance, art, and bring together a huge uh, faculty of teachers here on our land. We have about 30 acres and we have just bountiful spring water source. The soil is incredible. It's very far away again from cities. And we will have in about a year facilities for um, another restaurant. We have one restaurant now, um, a whole detox center. And it's a place where people could come and they could buy a house in the village or in the countryside as well. Anthony used to have a property management uh, company. In the 80s, he was one of the primary builders that kind of put Tuscany on the map. And we're in Southern Tuscany now. So it's a place where people can um, choose a different way of life than what we have now. And our intention is to create a, a replicable, uh, a, something that could be duplicated, replicated model 
where there could be Asha communities all over the world. Because in these times we live in now, we feel like it's the power of community that is really going to um, be our salvation as, you know, who knows what happens, but to get back to the earth, we think is, is the really important thing we can all do. It sounds so promising. I think it's just necessary to have community. So it was perfect timing. I'm glad you you're doing that here because my uh, my question actually would be so uh, tell us how important it is to or what's really making it or, or re how important it is to have such a lifestyle a dietary habit and a lifestyle and then have this pandemic. Well, you know, I think when you get asked that question, I got goosebumps, actually. Well, you know, we do not know that the animals are safe to eat. Okay? I mean, we don't really know how COVID started. But the, some, one of the scientific theories, of course, is that it started with birds, bats, biting birds that infected people. So that alone tells us a lot, that if we are eating factory farm animals that are susceptible to disease because they are jam-packed into crates and in living conditions that no one, no animal or human could survive, then we know that that animal becomes susceptible to disease. And so what happens is they get, they get injected with all kinds of antibiotics and they become... Uh, you know, they produce what's called superbug, a superbug where they become, they, their immunity becomes so low that they are now infectious. And that infection produces E. coli, it produces parasites, and it produces pathogens that people then eat. So if we're more connected with our food source, then we have more control over what we put into our mouth. But even in the times when we still live in the cities in this time of COVID, one of the most important things that we can do is to take control over what we put in our mouth. And that means decreasing the risk of infection that the animals endure, that they don't have a choice about, that they are subjected to. We have choice and to accept that responsibility, in my opinion, is to be a very proactive part of the solution. You said something that I reminded me that I used to say um, when I started to go on to my a better health journey, when you said, hey, we have a control of what we put in our mouth. We have that choice. Because I may look at all the other things, our other political system, economic system, all the other well, factors that could make me uh, sickly, because I grew up sickly, but then there's one thing that you, you have a full control. Because I said, okay, I'm not going to go, um, pardon me, during that time, I was such a, an, a, a rebel. I said, I'm not going to go shooting everyone because I don't like the system. But there's one thing that I can do and that no one can tell me what to do with that. And yeah. I will have a control. And that's when I started to to realize that, okay, I can choose this food better. I could eat more of this. I don't have to drink the soda. I said, so, and then once you really make the choice, all the others come to you or you attract what you need to keep learning and learning and learning. So Exactly, exactly. It's, it's a beautiful form of just self-care, number one. But it's also, it can potentially even be a form of activism because if you're not willing to be controlled with preservatives in your food, with hormones in your food, if you're not willing to be controlled with additives, and uh, here in the EU it's called uh, E numbers, you know, where E numbers in the food are, are typically, they're, they're designed in Europe so you can easily see what's in that food. We don't have that system in the States. You know, to me, as someone who's very serious about my health and about what I can do, what can I contribute? to be the best person I can be and to contribute to these times in a way that is efficient, that is truly giving back. I can only do that if I'm healthy. And if I am taking in 
substances that control us and keep us ill, then I am not exercising my power of choice. But it's tough because we have been, we have been so controlled with our food sources. If you want to control the people, just control the food. And if, if we want to break free of that, all we need to do is say, I'm willing to do this step by step. And I come back to the garden. Instead of eating from the grave, I'm going to eat from the garden. And I'm going to truly take care of my gut health and be a different type of influence in this world because we can. Just because we can. Before the COVID, more and more people actually were in schools and churches. They were kind of forming some type of garden. And it's nice to see it. I said, wow, at least people are trying their best, you know, to do that. But more so now when everyone gets paranoid of, you know, what, where the virus is, etc. So, you know, yep, having that control in our yeah. hands. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, I feel like we're faced with making different life choices now. And it's, it's, it's possible even, even for, for people who, you know, were underprivileged, whatever it is, it is still possible for us to make different choices with our food and how we live our lifestyle. You know, it's, it's, I think it's more saying I am worth that. My human life is worth taking care of and cultivating and to consider what it means to to grow your own food in a pot on your balcony or get some grow lights in your house or what can we do to come back into nature to to live more sustainably and, and to be safe in these times and doesn't it does it doesn't that kind of lifestyle and mindset and choices also help us as they call it now, that epigenetics theory that we can help our genes, the ones that we always say, oh, my parents had this, my uncle had this, so I can, I am also like that. So it's like, it's like a, you're doomed because of your lineage. When yes. through this lifestyle, you don't have to be doomed. You can have a detour for a better health journey. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, again, you know, that's why I love doing emotional work with food, because we're really faced with how we either choose to progressively move forward and take real responsibility, because only we put the fork in our mouths. Nobody else does. Whether we choose to do that and make conscious choices, or we go along with, you know, this is just my, this is my RNA and DNA. There's nothing I can do about it. We'll forever be a victim. But it's only going to be someone's real truth in their own experience by experimenting with it and trying it and living that. Because we, can, we, we cannot make educated choices based on what other people have written or even listening to something like this. We must live it each ourselves and find out what happens in your own um, your own profile, your own DNA profile when you eat from the earth and you let go of what's in the animals and you eat more living food. So what can you advise to the caregivers who are, they're really stressed out because, you know, it's just hard. I, taking care of someone in your family with dementia and then taking care of your own family, perhaps with your children and grown children. What can you advise that they can do like at least one habit in the morning and one habit in the evening? Well, that's, a, that's another great question. You know, I think versus mindset and coming back to our own self value system. I choose that I am worth this and I choose to take care of myself knowing that I can only really take care of others truly if I'm well nourished. It's, it's just good, good math. When just on a practical level, we could um, just get up and drink water. You know, drink a liter of lemon water, you know, and I'm not talking about tap water, but you know, drink, drink a good source of water in the morning. Drink herbal tea and drink throughout the day. 
you know, perhaps get a bottle, a liter bottle and make it your goal to drink a couple of liters a day of that. And you want to add a little bit of green powder to it. If you don't have time to juice, it's not practical for you. Add a little bit of green powder to it. Make it tasty as well. And just get that into your body each day. Hydration. Just focus on your hydration to start. And if there's a 20-year-old woman listening to you and who is, you, who's had similar experience like yours when you were 20, what would you tell them? <laughs> well, you know, I think first I would, I would inquire before telling anything. I think I would inquire into who that person is and what their need is and what they will do and what they just won't do. And then I think I would meet their need according to where they're at. You know, and it's really, we all have our own willingness level, no matter our stage of life. And for that to be met is uh, for that person to feel honored and respected for where they're at. And my last question would be, what do you love most right now in your life? Oh, that's a great question. Well, you know, right now I'm surrounded by a lot of people and a lot of interaction with relationships and community. And I love that. I love, um, I love seeing people shine because they're in a loving environment and they're working with their hands and they're digging the soil and moving compost around. I love seeing people's long-time vision for sustainability and for being a part of something bigger than our own personal dramas come together because they're building something all together. And the relaxation, the ease of worry, the opening of heart, the deep communication, the dialogues that happen between people and witnessing that and knowing that we're contributing this back to humanity, for me right now is extraordinarily satisfying to, to help produce this and offer this back as, a, as Anthony and I give back to people. Thank you so much. You Thank shared you. so many beautiful thoughts and advice and ideas and suggestions. So i like to thank you so much. Please, Amy, can you tell them where they can find you? And if you want to talk about your webinar or, you know, whatever is going on right now that you need to let people know. Okay, sure, sure. Well, first off, thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone listening. Um, may our deep hearts be ignited uh, because it's not about the food it's not about the fasting it's about the depth of who we are opening up and how our food and our lifestyle habits can help with that so we can create a deep sense of intimacy and share in the wonder of being alive um, you know we've built like i said before we built a new resource site for go vegan it's called govegan.community and that's a great place for people just to practically get engaged where you can learn loads of new recipes there's a meal planner with an automated grocery list there's a food as medicine library where you can learn about different healing properties of food and there's many more things coming to that site um, that's a place where i'm really putting all of my food and fasting work into so i'm very excited about that and it also has a um program with it that I've written recently, a four-step, four-week program called Go Vegan, where people can really break down how to do all of this and learn a lot of the principles we talked about in depth. Um, people can also go to amyrachelle.com. It's A-M-Y-R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. I do um, deep intuitive work. That's actually the very first thing that came to me in my early 20s. Uh, so I work privately with people. I have a pretty full schedule of what I call intuitive naturopathic sessions where we go in and listen deeply to the body and use um, my knowledge with uh, healing and, and the things we've talked about, but going deep in emotionally at the same time. And then, of course, there's ashacommunity.com if you want to learn more about the community. Amy, I say you're making an impact. That's, that's, that's the purpose of being born in this life, right? You know, having, making an, an impact. So thank you. And um, I usually end my uh, episode with a, uh, 
um, positive quantum affirmation. And what I do with this, uh, I have cards in the morning, different quantum cards. And then I intentionally, I will like to say what needs for me to be, to focus or that could help me for the day. And then, so I ask what could I share with Amy today and with the listeners. And it's interesting because you just said it in the last few minutes. It says open heart. And mm -hmm. I say this three times in the morning and three times again in the evening. When I have a chance, I do it three times again at noon. And it kind of, it just helps me. So, and it says an open heart. I open my heart to the universe. I gratefully receive the love, abundance, prosperity, and healing frequencies that are abundantly sent to me. I am awesome. I open my heart to the universe. I gratefully receive the love, abundance, prosperity, and healing frequencies that are abundantly sent to me. I am awesome. I open my heart to the universe and gratefully receive the love, abundance, prosperity, and healing frequencies that are abundantly sent to me. I am awesome. Love it. Thank you, Grace. Thank you. And I, I will put all your information. If I need something more, I'll put it in the description of the episode so that for all the listeners, and just a reminder for the listeners, Quantum Nurse also op um, offers a complimentary book, a coaching call, and that could lead also to whoever is my guest today. And so it's it, just like you, I want to make this space also a, a safe community for whoever wants to get involved. But it primarily, if you are under stress because you're a caregiver, feel free to just connect, okay? And in my language, I say, Mabalos, thank you. And I also say, don't let anything or anyone take the joy out of your life. Thank you, Amy, and thank you, everyone. Thank you, Grace. Much love, everybody. Much love.